Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Statesman Sports Desk Podcast, the official podcast of the Utah Statesman. I am your host, Parker Ballantyne. I'm a writer here at the Statesman. Joining me as always, you know him, you love him. He is the sports content manager, my boss, Jacob Nielsen. Jacob, how are you today? I'm doing pretty well. Me being your boss, that might be a strong word. Um, I don't really, I don't pay you, but... I'm you doing well. Me, I'm drinking. Technic- you're kind of my boss, though. Yeah, I kind of. I mean, on paper. I tell you what to do, huh? You do. I pull you like strings. <laughs> you do. You're the puppeteer behind <laughs> No, everything. no. I hope that's not what you think of me. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing great. Enjoying this Gatorade Frost. Good. Glacier not, Freeze. Not an ad, by the way. They're not paying us. It could be if they want to. They could. They will be, if they want to start paying us, that's fine. Yeah, that's true. No free ads. That's right. Just kidding. Um. A ton is going on in the sports world. We left for one week and everything fell apart. Oh, yeah. We, like, recorded last week, and the second we turned off record, all of a sudden we got on Twitter and just all hell's broken loose. We're like, man. Exactly. (laughs) We we leave for one week and the entire sports world, or at least the college sports world, comes burning down. Um, So we have a lot to get to. We actually are going to divert a little bit. We had plans to get into um, our own college football uh, program talk about the upcoming season for Utah State, but there's just so much going on that we did have to pivot a little bit and cover what's going on, uh, which is, first off, I guess the NBA draft is tonight. It is draft day. Nemius Keda is expected to go. We'll talk about that a little bit, and we will for sure talk about it next week. Um, and then, of course, conference realignment, uh, which is impending. So that's been kind of the headline uh, all week long. Yep. I am really thrilled for tonight for Nemeas Kiketa. He's kind of, he's been my guy, you know, since the beginning. When I was a freshman on campus 2018, me and two buddies, we rolled up to this, it was the blue and white preseason scrimmage, and we didn't know what to expect. At that point, we just knew Utah State basketball wasn't that great with Tim Durier and stuff and all that, but we get to this scrimmage, and there's this brand new dude from Portugal, this seven feet guy, and he's just dominating on the court. I'm like, I don't know hardly anything about Utah State basketball right now, but I do know that this guy's gonna be really good. And so to see him from that point to fast forward three years, and now he's finally going to be drafted in the NBA and really make a name for himself, it's uh, it's really exciting. Yeah, it is. I mean, even he he's been dominating ever since he stepped foot. Um, on this campus, but he's just improved so much since his freshman year. Um, so I, I'm just so excited for him. I, I really I really hope he goes somewhere that uh, values him as a player and can help him continue to develop. Because like we've talked about on the show, I think due to injuries and travel and COVID, he has been kind of, he's been robbed of some developmental opportunities at a high level. So I'm really excited to see what he can do. There's not really a lot of news about, about our guy, Nemius Keda, and I think Here's my theory on it is he's a guy from a smaller school out west. And so unless you're making like the big bucks to stay up and watch these guys and really scout these guys, you're probably not going to watch a lot of Utah State games when they're playing Fresno and Colorado State and Wyoming. So my my theory is that he's not showing up on a lot of draft boards like a lot of these amateur draft boards from guys based out of the East Coast um, because the incentive just isn't there to watch that late um, at night and that late in the second round you know you get your first first five picks that everyone gets excited about um, even in the top 10 top 15 but uh, when you're talking about a guy who's probably going to go second round out of Logan I just think that's kind of why you don't see a lot about him and so I think he's probably flying under the radar of a lot of these draft board guys 
and the scouts that are paid big money to watch him, I think those are the ones that are going to be paying attention. So I wouldn't be surprised if he actually sneaks in a little bit before or earlier than some of these draft boards have him. Because a lot of the draft boards have him mid-second round. I think he goes probably sooner than that. I wouldn't be surprised if he went a little bit sooner. Well, something that's comforting to see or encouraging to see is a lot of the writers that are dialed in to college basketball, not only that, but dialed in with some of the NBA scouts. These are guys that have Keta higher. John Hollinger, he writes for The Athletic. He's the beat writer for the Memphis Grizzlies. I've always been impressed with him and his connections and his stories. He put together a list, and I don't think it was necessarily necessarily a list of what he thought was going to happen, but it was more what he thought should happen. And he had Namias as high as number 22 on that list. So that's something worth noting. Yeah, exactly. And John Hollinger, one of the more connected uh, writers in the NBA, one of the better writers that covers the NBA. Um, and so we, we've seen him put Keita at, you know, going as, as high as 22, someone who's really well connected. We've seen Matt Norlander, someone who maybe isn't as well connected as Hollinger is, but in very, the, very tuned into the game. In the uh, NBA ranks, at least. In the NBA, yeah, exactly. Um, had him going, you know, as high as 29, someone who watches a ton of college basketball. And then even this morning, I was uh, tuning into uh, another podcast, uh, the Lockdown NBA Draft Podcast, and Raf, uh, Raphael Barlow of NBA Junkies, or NBA Draft Junkies.com, um, had Kada going late first round, um, saying that he can contribute right away. Um, and depending on the situation, can be a guy that contributes and even starts. He had him going to Brooklyn and possibly being their starting center. Uh, Brooklyn's 27, so another one that's pretty high in that first round. Can you imagine that? Nemeas Keta starting starting lineup with KD, Kyrie, and with James, James Harden. Harden. Yeah, that would just be, be something unbelievable. Else. <laughs> That'd be a super team right there. That's what <laughs> that's the piece they're missing. Is, that's right. Is Nemi. But that would be cool. I mean, just an absolute super team. That, that's a jersey I'd buy immediately. I'd probably buy every jersey they have. And he's an instant contender, so that would be cool. He might even play against Sam in, like, the Eastern Conference Finals, which would be cool. I want to see him just swat the hell out of Sam. That would be cool. I just want yeah. them to go back and forth. Like, Sam just, like, keeps training, like, three-pointers, and then Mimi's just dunking on him and, like, blocking him all the time. Yeah, yeah, cool. they, a little give and take there. Yeah, a little give and take. I'd like to see them both succeed. That would be crazy. Um... We've so, yeah, 22, 27, 29. I don't think he's really, you know, I'd be shocked if he went before 25. Um, but really from 25 to about 40, I think, is where he probably goes. Um, so just really exciting. Like this could be, uh, this could be a big year for, uh, for him. Here's my grand prediction. Number 47 to the Toronto Raptors. That's where he's going. That uh, is like a little that. bit later than what we're hoping for, right? But... That's my that's my grand prediction on. I like that. I, I'd be okay with Toronto. Toronto's a team with great player development, uh, great front office management, and I would rather him go late to a team like that than go early to a team like Houston, who you know his career would be wasted, Sacramento, somewhere like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if he goes forty-seven to Toronto, great. That'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd be I'd be down. Yeah, and I want to say I really believe that Nemeas Keta <clears throat> I don't really feel this way about Sam Merrill more because of his um, athletic and physical limitations but I believe that Keta is a guy that could be a realistic starting center in the NBA and one of the reasons why and I'm uh, I'll be putting together a story that's going to come out tonight 
but talking to former assistant coaches and the players and stuff, they all mention his worth, work ethic and his IQ. But along with that, we've talked about this before, but he hasn't had like a clean off season yeah. to put in the work. So from how much he's progressed from his freshman year to the end of his junior year with his footwork, with his, his passing ability, with his free throw shooting percentage, yeah. just his strength, he's yeah. improved so much. But that was one year he was out with a sprained left knee for six months. And then the other year, couldn't even get in the facilities because of COVID. So for him to have grown as much as he has amidst all the adversity that he's had to go through at Utah State, it just shows you put this man in an NBA system. And I don't see there's weaknesses, right? Like we don't know how great of a perimeter defender he is, which is important mm-hmm. at the NBA. And he's not like a, a lights out jump shooter, but I don't think there's anything really stopping him. He's got some weaknesses, but he doesn't have any limitations that I think are going to put an immediate ceiling on what he can do in the NBA. I agree with that. I think, yeah, like you like you mentioned, we haven't seen really uh, an opportunity for him to uh, prove himself at, as a perimeter defender or a shooter just because that wasn't the – he wasn't called on to do that at Utah State. I think it's probably there. He's got to probably develop it. But, yeah, no, no limitations um, like height, you know, like some guys are just too short and there's nothing you can do about it. Some guys are just too slow, nothing you can do about it. Uh, but he's got a great frame. He's athletic. He's he's strong. He's never been like weak, but he's he's uh, bulked up quite a bit since his freshman year, um, getting that sturdy frame that can you know take a beating down low. And so I think I think he's gonna be just fine. Like like you said, no no limitations. There's some weaknesses there, but no real limitations. And you know the real weaknesses there are you know hopefully something that could be coached out or. Um, developed out with a full offseason at a high level with NBA coaches, training facilities, all that stuff. Yeah, it's going to be a great night to be an Aggie when he inevitably does get drafted. So much to celebrate. He's just such a great dude, high character, and he's brought so much joy to Utah State fans these past three years. And so I think Absolutely. tonight will be a great night for everybody just to celebrate his accomplishments and that he's gotten this far. And for the country, Portugal, right? Cause Absolutely. This is groundbreaking. He'll be the first NBA player from the country of Portugal. So, yeah, yeah. congratulations to you, Namias Cota. Absolutely. Um, so let's go ahead. Let's talk about, um, you know, moving on from from the draft. We will definitely have more uh, to come next week. We'll, uh, we'll break down the pick wherever he goes, whether it's uh, 47 to the Raptors, like Jacob has said, um, or anywhere else. We'll have it next week. So looking forward to talking more about that and just being able to watch him play for years to come, so we'll have that uh, more next week. Um, so let's get into uh, the other the other thing we really want to talk about is conference realignment. It's been in the headlines nonstop. I mean, it's like this has just been such a crazy summer for college sports. Um, from NIL just a few short weeks ago to Texas and Oklahoma just completely shattering the college football landscape in one move last week. So. What were your, you know, what was your initial reaction? What was going on in, in your head when you started to see this unfold? Well, I, I'll say this. I used to live in Texas, and I have some personal connections. I'm a low-key Texas A&M fan. I've been to a couple of their games, and the Aggies of College Station are kind of my team. So personally, my initial reaction was like, no, like, this is our conference. Like, A&M and SEC, like, stay away, like, this isn't cool, but 
after thinking about it for a little bit, it makes a lot of sense for Texas and Oklahoma. Um, obviously, this sport, it's all about money, right? That's just yeah. that's just the reality. <laughs> yeah. We like to discuss tradition and all of this, and that's what makes college football great. But the only thing that really matters at the end of the day is money for these major programs. And in the Big 12, here's what happened. Texas and Oklahoma, over the, in the fall, they requested to renegotiate their contract, the Big 12 did, with ESPN. Because the SEC and the Big 10, they had both just renegotiated their contracts in the middle of a pandemic, right, where everyone's short on funds. And they'd just done that. The SEC got it done. Big 10 got it done. I just said that. The Big 12 was told, no, we'll wait. We'll wait till 2024. And they just kicked into the curb. And when that happened, Oklahoma and Texas are like, we're not getting treated the same when we think that we are just as important as everybody else. And so can't beat them, join them, I suppose. And yeah, so. Yeah, I think like the move makes sense. Like you kind of, yeah, you mentioned it's funny. He's actually wearing a Texas Rangers shirt. So uh, he he does have that connection. I, it's funny though, because I think Texas A&M, at first glance anyway, is like the only team, the only fan base that's really against this. Everyone else is kind of like, you know, it makes sense. It's probably good for football. And, like, the Big 12 had their chance to not suck, and they didn't. And so Texas and Oklahoma, you can't blame them. Uh, you know, that whole if you can't beat them, join them mindset kind of makes sense. Plus, we're gonna about to get some of the funnest college football matchups ever, just nonstop, because that's going to be pretty cool. Um, having all those powerhouses in the same conference. So, you know, just in a, in a grand scheme of things, I think it's probably good for college football. But Texas A&M is probably not the only program that is going to be a loser in all of this. I mean, obviously the big winners are Texas and Oklahoma, uh, the entire SEC other than Texas A&M, the losers, the Big 12, and Texas A&M at first glance. But there are going to be some serious ramifications, I think. Uh, conference realignments are never clean. They're never easy. Um, so it's going to be, you know, we don't know exactly what's happening yet, but we know something's going to happen because the Big 12 already only had 10 teams. With this happening, they're going to drop down to eight. I mean, that's just not a conference. Like, you can't have eight teams. I mean, even if the conference, if, even if the Big 12 were to somehow convince all eight teams to stick around, that only works for a couple seasons, you know. Um, and I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're um, either going to replace Texas, Oklahoma, and expand, or the Big 12 teams. I, I'm sure every single one of them, if if their ADs are good at their job, they have been on the phone with other conferences all week long. Um, so what do you uh, what do you think it's going to happen? And let's try to focus in. Let's focus in on uh, the Mountain West and what it's going to look like out west for our Utah State Aggies and Mountain West. Well, the first thing I want to say is. What we've heard just in recent days, there's some drama between Bob Bowlesley, he's the commissioner in the Big 12, and ESPN. He's accused ESPN of pretty much tampering, right? And apparently ESPN is advocating for the Big 12 members that remain to join with the American Athletic Conference, which is Memphis and SMU and Houston. So that is very notable and could happen, but it's also, it's been blown up, it's been leaked, that that's a scenario and it may it may not work out. So we need to keep a really close eye on, will this actually have an impact on the Mountain West? And the reality is it's probably going to, right? Yeah, there's, there's, 
there's no way around that simple fact. Like this will impact Mountain West, I think. Yeah. I think, I think you're right. Yeah. We're hearing, like I said, a lot of people think that either they're going to combine with the American Athletic Conference or bring in teams from there. But there's programs in the Mountain West that I think bring more to the table than some of those American Athletic Conferences. And not only that, but in this whole giant super conference realm, it would be wise of the Big 12 if they were trying to save themselves to maybe expand their fr- their footprint westwards. And I mean, Colorado used to be in the Big 12, right? Like it's not, yeah. this isn't something that's never happened. Like it's, you could argue it would be natural Big 12 territory if uh, Colorado State or somebody else were to join. So Yeah, I think, I think it really just depends on what those Big 12 teams want to do. Um, because if they want to expand, I think there are teams in the American that make sense. You have uh, Cincinnati, uh, UCF, SMU, Houston, all those teams would make a lot of sense. Um, and it even might make sense for some of the Big 10, or excuse me, the Big 12 teams to join that conference. Does it make sense for all of them? I don't know. Like, I think we might see if they disband, I think they'll probably split. It probably makes a lot more sense for some of the teams to come out west. West Virginia, for example, probably doesn't want to do that. You know, West Virginia would probably rather join the American um, or something like that. At this point, though, I don't know what's more likely in terms of the Big 12 surviving and expanding or disbanding. If they do expand, I think Boise State's got to be on their list, which would obviously have an effect on us in the Mountain West, as well as some of those American athletic teams. And you got to assume San Diego State's on that list. BYU is not in the conference, but they've got to be on that list. Um, One of Utah State's peers and rivals, they've got to be on that list. Uh, You know, you mentioned Colorado, uh, the state of Colorado is Big 12 territory. Colorado State might be on that list. So a lot of Utah State's peers out west could be on that list of expansion if that's the way they go. Yeah, and this is all something that Parker has written a column about that will be released with this podcast on the Statesman website. So be sure to check that out and his thoughts and ideas. If I was a betting man, which I am, (laughs) the Big 12 is not going to be a conference much longer. I agree. The chances are everybody's going to want a little bit of a piece of them, right? Because there still is value in TCU and Oklahoma State and Baylor. These are power five quality schools, right? And I think the athletic, the American athletics going to take some of them. I think, like you mentioned, I could see West Virginia going to the ACC. Yeah. Iowa State could get into the Big Ten potentially. Makes sense for them. Which would be great for them. But realistically, Texas Tech maybe. TCU used to be a member of the Mountain West. If you can get some of those teams to feel like, oh, we don't have any other options, but let's go to the Mountain West. And they already have Boise State, San Diego State, right? These quality teams. And if we come in and then bring a BYU in there, it's going to be a pretty decent conference. So I think that's definitely a possibility, something that could happen. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for the plug there. I appreciate it. Um, that's one of the things I mentioned in, in that piece I wrote. Um, TCU and BYU are both original members of the Mountain West. They don't want to come back unless it's a significant upgrade. And I, I really don't see a scenario really where the Mountain West either becomes a Power Five, um, you know, like a bona fide Power Five conference, or where a lot of the teams in the Mountain West become, you know, make that jump to a, a bona fide Power Five conference. Because the way it is right now, I don't think the Big 12 even survives 
If it does, it's not going to be a Power 5 conference. If you replace Oklahoma and Texas with Boise State and BYU, like, I'm sorry, that's a top-tier group of five conference. That's not a Power 5 conference. So uh, it's hard to imagine a scenario. I think there's the teams to sustain it out west, if you include Texas, the Midwest, California, and all the teams in between. I think there's the teams to sustain two power conferences. I just don't think it's the right time. Maybe we get a realignment in 10 years where – you know, it kind of shakes out that way. Right now, I don't think that's going to happen. So what you're going to see is kind of a pseudo-power conference where it's a very, very top-tier group of five conference with some Power Five leftovers like Texas Tech and Baylor, Oklahoma State, which, don't get me wrong, like, that's a great thing. Like, for Utah State to be in a conference like that would be really, really good for the program uh, because you'd be combining with Power Five teams and then top-tier group of five teams. So for if, Mount, if the Mountain West were to be able to get that upgrade and be able to lure... Baylor, Texas Tech into the conference and somehow get BYU and TCU to rejoin, uh, that could be a huge, that could be a significant upgrade for the conference, putting us right on the cusp of basically a power conference. So uh, that would be really good for the Mountain West if we could bring in some of those teams. The million-dollar question for Utah State is if a new pseudo-conference were to be created with the leftover Big 12 plus some of the top-tier G5s, is that a conference that Utah State is getting into and I would argue that it would be a no I I it's hard I I kind of agree with you there's a lot holding Utah State back I mean for 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 one you the state of Utah is not going to have three power five schools so it's not going to have BYU Utah and Utah State all in a power or pseudo power conference Um, the other thing is if you're a conference putting together you know, starting from scratch, you got Boise State, San Diego State, Oklahoma State. Maybe you get Kansas and Kansas State, Texas Tech, all those schools. Do you really want Utah State? What does Utah State bring to the table that isn't better suited somewhere else? Utah State's probably a better program than Houston, but Houston's a more valuable TV market. It's a more valuable recruiting market. So I think Utah State should be a little bit worried. Like if there if there is a conference that is built from scratch, Utah State should be worried that I mean, there's a significant chance that we'd get left behind by teams like San Diego State, Boise State, BYU, Colorado State, Um, just because we're not quite at our peak right now. If this were to happen in 2018, John Hartwell has some pretty nice bargaining chips to fall back on, but it's happening right now in a uh, tough year, a rebuilding year for the uh, the football team and really kind of the whole program. And so I I don't know if they get that invite. I honestly don't know. Um, I'm not as confident as I would want to be in that situation. I'm going to lay it out, frankly, why Utah State isn't appealing to these Big 12 schools or even to some of the upper-level American conference schools. And obviously we know we're involved with the program. We know how great our leadership is, how passionate the fan base is. But to the outside, none of that stuff matters. Here's what does matter. Utah State, their football stadium holds 25,000 people. They average barely 20k per game right that would not measure up with a lot of these schools we're in logan utah the metro area is about a hundred thousand people extremely small market and another major major thing is we're kind of a self-sustaining athletic department but we receive more funds we receive millions of dollars of funds from the state of utah and so sometimes our revenue will exceed our expenses but a lot of that is just government money so we're not bringing anything of our own to the table 
when they make these giant TV contract deals, right? Yeah. Um, Houston or Baylor and TCU aren't going to be like, let's bring in Utah State because then ESPN and Fox, they're going to want to pay us more because, oh, we got this premier team out in the Rockies. That's just the reality is, is that's not going to happen. Yeah. I, I think you're right. And part of that is just baked into the cake. Like, look, our football stadium is newly remodeled. It's smaller than a lot of the, uh, you know, a lot of our peers. That's not going to change anytime soon. Um, the revenue thing, though, I mean, a lot of that is the conference we're in. So I think if we were to get into, you know, that pseudo power conference, the revenue kind of takes care of itself um, in a lot of ways. So, yeah, part of those are you have to have kind of the foresight of a, where could this program be five years down the road, 10 years down the road if we do invite them into the conference. But part of that is if they are building a new conference, they're going to want teams that can provide now. And there's other teams that we compete with directly on on the field and in recruiting that provide more immediately. BYU, Boise State, San Diego State, they all have more now. Uh, But I think Utah State is really similar to some of these other teams that we've mentioned. Um, Cincinnati, I can imagine what those guys could do in a power conference with Power 5 money. They'd be a great program they pretty quickly. They once were a power – well, they were a BCS school not too long yeah. ago in the Big East. Yeah. So Cincinnati's one. Houston's another one. So I think Utah State could hang. If we had the money, like, it would take care of itself. But you're right. Like, the appeal just isn't here now. The immediate instant gratification isn't there. So, yeah, if you're building a, if you're building a brand-new conference, it'd be great if Utah State could be in it. Uh, there's a good chance we get left out, though. Yeah, and I think what Utah State, what John Hartwell, what the Mountain West needs to do, they need to fight to stay strong as a conference, and Utah State, their best situation is being in the Mountain West. They need to try as much as we can't stand Boise State, and some fans might be fine if they left. What they do for our TV contract with Fox and CBS, even though it's minimal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It helps. (laughs) It definitely helps. We're playing on the CBS network or CBS proper national TV in Logan this year against Boise state. Boise state's not in the conference. That's not happening. Right. And so it's important for the mountain West to try to keep its schools together. And if the opportunity presents itself, pull in some of these other big 12 schools and that's, in my head, that's would be the best bet for Utah State to improve from conference realignment. If anything else happens, I personally don't think it'll end well for the Aggies. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, obviously, like, best-case scenario is kind of a pipe dream. It would be Utah State, Colorado State, Boise State, BYU, San Diego State, team up leave the rest of the conference and call the Big 12, you know, call Houston and stuff like that. That's a pipe dream. It's possible. Like, at this point, anything's possible. So, yeah, that that could happen. It's far more likely, though, that we just stay in the Mountain West. And so, like you said, I think the, the top priority of the Mountain West needs to be sticking together, keeping those top programs, making sure the Big 12 doesn't lure Boise State away uh, or San Diego State away. And then I think you do have to aggressively aggressively pursue expansion uh, because this opportunity doesn't come around very often. Um, and so for the Mountain West to stay stagnant when the American picks up half of the Big 12 would be um, kind of a step back by default because everyone else is getting better. Um, so I think the Texas market is a market that Utah State 
uh, or that Mountain West has not been in. I've been a longtime advocate of getting into Texas, uh, whether it's even a downgraded school. Uh, I really think the Mountain West should try to get into Texas. If we could get in, you know, even if we take advantage of some of the chaos and we pull SMU and Houston into the conference, um, that'd be great. I mean, obviously, bringing in Texas Tech, Baylor, and TCU would be awesome. If we could bring in BYU with that, that four-team expansion would be huge for the conference. And so I think uh, the Mountain West needs to aggressively pursue expansion. They need to take this opportunity and not let it go by uh, because if they do, it's kind of a step back by default. You, you can't let other conferences pick up all these all these other schools. I mean, there's eight really good programs out there right in our backyard. Uh, seven, I guess, six, because, you know, Iowa and West Virginia are kind of far away. But just geographically, regionally, there's six teams right there for the taking. you got to go get them. Use this as an excuse to bring in BYU. Again, like our, you know, Utah State fans don't like BYU. What BYU would do to the conference would be so good to have that rivalry be a rivalry that matters would be good for the program so you if you're the mountain west you have to make sure you don't lose top programs and you gotta you gotta find a way to expand i think absolutely um i have a neighbor back home in salt lake city he's actually he's a ute he's a total utah junkie but he's always spilling out these life lesson parable things to me (laughs) whenever i go over and talk to him and one of the things he likes to say is life is like a river and you're swimming upstream. And he said, if you're not swimming, if you're not trying to get upstream, if you're just complacent, you're going downstream. There is no such thing as just stay, stay in the same spot. So the Mountain West needs to yeah. take that parable to heart. They need to really take some action in this moment, try to swim upstream and get some new teams. Because yeah. if yeah. they just sit and hope, just say, oh, Boise, don't leave us. And if they just are just hoping, <laughs> right? It's not going to end well for them. Yeah, so. yeah, you have to, have to take action. Absolutely. Yeah. If, if, if you're not getting better, you're getting worse. Uh, I think that's something actually John Hartwell has kind of said. Um, but, yeah, especially in this college landscape, if you're not getting better, if you're not actively getting better year on year, you're getting worse. And that's true for teams, entire programs, and even at the conference level. If your conference isn't getting better every year, you're actually getting worse. And so really what would suck for the Mountain West is even if we stick together, we somehow keep Boise State, San Diego State, Colorado State, keep all those top teams, but all the conferences around us pick up, you know, those eight Big 12 teams that are displaced. That's pretty bad for the Mountain West. You know, the American picks up some, the Pac-12 maybe expands. That's a whole different conversation. That's the fun thing about conference realignments is you could write like a 500-page novel just with all the slight variations on what could happen. But just my point being is if you if the Mountain West doesn't, expand their you know like you said they're they're gonna get pulled downstream if they don't find a way to make this benefit them because every other conference commissioner every other athletic director in the country right now is looking at this situation and finding out how it can benefit them utah state and the mountain west cannot afford to be any different they have to come into this mind they have to come into this with the mindset of how can this make us better and if if they don't get better they get worse yeah, college football is wild because you can take all these crazy rabbit holes down with conference realignment, but the reality is some of those rabbit hole theories have come to fruition. Texas and yeah. OU, they've been plotting for six months to get out of the Big 12 and nobody yeah. knew. Like, this is the same level as what happened in Europe with uh, the big super soccer conference thing, except for in college football. 
these presidents and these board of trustees and these boosters, they got the cojones to do it, right? Yeah. And so you can't, nothing is off the table at this point. Like anything could happen. So it'll be really interesting to see next coming days um, what happens with the Big 12 and if the Mountain West can benefit from it. Yeah, that's a good point. Like you said, like nothing's off the table. Like there are very few scenarios that are just absolutely not going to happen. I can tell you right now, Utah State's not getting a Pac-12 invite. That's like that's like the one thing I can guarantee right now. No, there's more, but I, there's just so much possibility. Um, it's almost frustrating just like how much could happen because we could sit here and talk for hours about different different scenarios um, and just what different teams bring to a conference, what different co- teams in our conference already have and already offer. But it's going to be an exciting couple weeks and couple months, conference realignments, they're they're just absolute chaos so there's going to be a lot of news probably in the next two weeks and it's not going to stop probably for a while uh the conference realignments one of those things that feel like they move fast but they also kind of move slow so it'll take it'll take a while for all this to get sorted out but it'll be so much news it'll be like drinking out of a fire hose like it'll just be so much so fast for a while well this all gets figured out so hopefully utah state can find a way to get better find a way to improve their situation John Hartwell, Noel Cockett at the helm, you know, they've been great. They've have, they have a great history, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, they, they work at a school in Logan, Utah. So we'll see what they can pull off. Yeah. There's just so much going on. Um, conference realignment. We will probably have more news next week along with more news about Nemius Keda. Honestly, by the time next week rolls around, everything we've said today might be irrelevant. That's the way conference realignments work. So, We'll keep that coming. A lot at stake in the program for Utah State. Like that, there's a lot at stake for the future of the program, um, and we will find out more in the next coming weeks. Um, big night tonight for Nemius Keda, and I think that's all we have. That'll probably do it for us today. Yeah, shout out to Raising Canes, Brock Miller, and especially to my former classmate Ryan White. She is swimming in the 200-meter backstroke tonight for the Olympics. I won the senior superlative for most likely to make the Olympics, and she did not. So I will always have that over her. But I feel like that means you get her medal if she medals. I I think rules that are rules. Rules too. are rules. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah, she better um, send it my way. Wait, so but. was that like a high school classmate? Yeah, yeah. Cool. The sea wood. That's awesome. Go Colts. Um, so yeah, that'll do it for today. Uh, Stay tuned next week. We will be getting into football uh, more in the next coming weeks. Cool. Anything else? That's our podcast. All right. We'll be back next week.